This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Beware of false prophets, 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 which come to you in sheep's clothing. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into driver's temptation. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may ye shall know them by their fruits. Entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Driven. Is Reverend Devon Divine a false prophet? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Sent here to lead us astray. A doubting, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. Or is he a spiritual teacher who can guide us to the path of freedom? I'm Dr. Mark. Come with me and partake of his fruit of knowledge. And decide for yourself. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow nor of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we shall be. Welcome to another episode of False Prophet. Oh. I'm Dr. Mark here with Reverend Devin Devine on this April 10th. How are you, Devin? I'm doing pretty good. Well, spent all night waiting for a baby to come. Right. So it hasn't come yet. Yeah, no, they call it pre-labor, and it's all <laughs> preparation, killer contractions. and She's still going through them right now, but she's finally getting some sleep. <laughs> oh, good. So... She was just uh, moaning in her sleep of having some contractions at the same time. So, <laughs> life. 
Right. It's like, why does it have to be so painful? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So you're having a boy? That's what they tell us. I still doubt it. <laughs> but, you we'll know, see how it goes. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. So any minute now. Any minute now. Well, oh. you know, we got, you know, there's that cushion there. You know, it's not, it won't happen immediately or any minute, but yeah. <laughs> you know how it goes. That's funny. Yeah. It's exciting. I tell you, it is very exciting. excited. He's going to have a another little sibling. Yeah. Instead of a bunch of older ones, he'll have older and younger. Yeah. I kind of remember when I had my brothers, uh, not specifically when I actually had them come home or anything or when they came home or anything like that, but I I do remember things changing. I don't remember yeah. stressing about it too much, though. It was exciting. I got evidence, to too. Yeah, there's uh, some pictures of, of me being very excited about them <laughs> being babies there. Like, oh, I still feel that way. I think Atreyu is kind of feeling that same way about it, too. Oh, man, that's awesome. Hopefully we get a video of his first reaction and see how cute it is. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully he doesn't turn around and is, a, you know, scared of it. Right. We'll see. We'll see. We're excited about it. See how it goes. That's that's part <laughs> of the thr- That's part of the fun of this world, you know, not knowing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'd say all the time how I saw my future and everything, but I mean, everybody has. You know, I, we all agreed to seeing everything we saw in our lives, but we, as we chose to come here, you know, it was that agreeing with forgetting, so that we can be this firsthand experience of it, and uh, that's part of the fun. And that's literally like my life. You know, I I don't want to know about it because I want to be, you know within it I don't want to be in the position of the ruler of it and that kind of loses the whole fun loses the whole point and we the deliberate purpose of it is to experience it firsthand yeah yeah so actually along those lines I've been reading a lot of existentialist philosophy lately I don't know why I just enjoy it yeah it's deep stuff oh yeah like what's the purpose of life and why are we here in this experience of finding who we are, you know, after we've forgotten it and stuff. And uh, I've been reading Nietzsche and he talks about how... Bless you. I know. <laughs> he says that only a few people are really capable of looking so deep within themselves that they can peel away the layers and really find what makes them tick like what am i I would what, agree. Are, what are these thoughts in my head yeah i would agree it's kind of uh in in a way of describing it is every tribe has a shaman but the tribe mm. you know that's only you know less than one percent of the huge tribe and if you think of oh yeah the entirety of the planet there are a lot of spiritual people and there are a lot of people that just regurgitate literary jargon of their spirituality and stuff that's that's different than the people that actually write this stuff, you know, actually experience it at first hand and, and are, you know, given those eyes to see, go, given those ears to hear and, and share that word. 
And that's why Nietzsche says, like, there are those who want to believe on the shamans, and then there are those who want to know and be the shaman. Yeah. But he talks about if you go so deep and if you are that shaman and you start to question your whole life, your whole reality and everything, then it can drive you into madness. Yeah. You can go insane. And I've been thinking about that lately because the more I try to, you know, I start to accept these ideas of my divine authority and like why the world is what it is and the people that are standing in front of me, and if they're real people or if they're just manifestations of myself and i'm like wow man there's that part of me that's resisting that you know yeah well it is designed to be that way i mean just the whole fact that in order to be firsthand within it like you can ask a question you know what would it be like to be a whale uh you know and you're never gonna actually know until you are a whale and you can't be you know some ultimate being or even a human saying, oh, yeah, I'm being a whale now. Oh, look at me doing whale stuff. And you know, <laughs> remembering the past or remembering the other life, remembering that you really are a human being a whale or something like that, because that wouldn't be what it feels like to be a whale. You know, that, that a whale doesn't think that. A whale is a whale and not something else. I don't know why I picked a whale, but maybe it's Finding Dory <laughs> is playing for a tray over there. So, uh, but... Just that, you know, in that sense, here we are. What is it like to be separate from God? Or what is it like to be human? And your firsthand experience of it is the only thing that can answer it. So it requires that you don't remember who asked the question or that there was a question so that you can firsthand experience that knowledge and receive that answer. Yeah. Yeah. But as you go through, and like your whole world changes around you, you know, the more I read and the more I think about what yeah. we've talked about and experienced and stuff, like, do you ever worry you're going insane? Oh, Your yeah. whole world? Yeah? Yeah. No, I even just wrote up a answer to a question. I have questions on my website. People that ask me in person, you know, I carry around this stick. I have this cloth. I, you know, I just, <laughs> I look weird. And people ask me, you know, what, well, what, what is that stick? dick and I you know, just say it's a religious emblem and then of course the next thing is what religion is it what religion are you and uh, so I answer all these questions and one of them is are you delusional <laughs> and, <laughs> and like according to and I, I can actually read it if you'd like but uh, I like according to physical parameters of what is real absolutely I am definitely delusional because I actually believe that I am experiencing something of the spiritual nature, the spiritual universe. And in this case, anybody that has ever started religions and talked about alternate dimensional states and everything is delusional as well uh, because it doesn't fit into the laws of the physical parameters of the universe. And in, and in this case, you know, you can say because it's not uh, conducive with other people's experiences that it's just imaginary and it's just in your head. And even though that's actually the nature of the spiritual universe to be perceiving and experiencing, you know, what you believe in, uh, in that in that way, it won't be the same for any personal perspective, any little perspective. And uh, so everybody will have a different experience of it. And it's it's only when you actually try and define it and say, oh, I saw this, so it's like this. And, you know, when instead of realizing that, if you changed what you believed you saw, then what you saw would change as well. And so it would be all turning around and everything. But 
Here, let me read this. I pulled this up. So, are you delusional? Yeah. <laughs> Within the definitions of what reality is, these physical parameters would define everyone that speaks of the spiritual universe as delusional. If the physical world truly is our only experience, I most definitely would be considered delusional. For I actually believe I experience alternate realities on a daily basis, such as the spiritual universe. If this case, in this case, every religion is started by a delusional person. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, the conditions of this world do include the redefining of our spiritual experience to have always been within the laws of the physical, including many definitions of insanity. I have no reason to deny any one of their dimensional perspectives for each of them have their place and reason within the entirety of this plan of reality. So that's a short and quick, simple answer there. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm perfectly fine. I mean, yes, I'm insane. It's, it's, there's no problem there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to get to the, get to the root of it. But yeah, uh, it, you're definitely, it's a battle with that, attempting to conform the understanding of it and when the more and more you get into it the more and more you forgive you you'll find that you're confronted with so many different uh things and ideas that want to stop you you know it's almost as if that same okay. story that that jesus went through the desert and he supposedly directly uh interfered with or worked with lucifer and lucifer tried to tempt him with all these things uh, ultimately, it's the same thing that happens within our heads as we're going to the truth. We've, uh, you know, veiled it in a fashion where our what we believe ourselves to be, in other words, our thoughts, are going to show us and teach us everything to and and keep us from that, trying to avoid it. Because in in when we do find it, the definition of those thoughts that personality no longer exists and it knows that it doesn't want to not exist anymore it doesn't want to it, it's like you're willingly going to its own demise and so it's going to stop you and that's in the same sense with lucifer is that in the truth of what jesus found there was no lucifer and that gets into a whole nother whole nother debate i suppose <laughs> yeah, i was watching this uh it was a review of a psychological study that was conducted and they had like five or six participants mm. and five of them were paid. They were part of the study. And so really they only had one real participant that came in. And so there was this group of six people and they showed three or four different lines and they labeled them one, two, three, and they were different lengths. Mm. And they asked everybody which line is the longest and it was clear it was on the board you could see clearly with your own eyes line two is the longest <laughs> but the study they paid five people to say line one was the longest and they each gave their answers line one line one and then they got to the guy who was the real participant who wasn't in on the study and he changed his answer like 90 percent of the time oh yeah line one yeah. and then it was so interesting, the influence of the people around us pull us back, you know? It pulls us into conformity of the herd. 
you know? Yeah, it's like that idea that we've talked about often lately about your old belief systems and the world is showing you these old belief systems and you're confronted with them every time you want to, you know, see past it until you finally are just like, what a joke, are you kidding me? No, let's... I'm no longer going to go with the flow or with the, whatever, with the crowd. <laughs> I'm not going to go with what the crowd says, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with what I see, what I experience. And that's, you know, gets to that authenticity that's really, really important. Uh, I, I believe that Jesus had to go through this. You know, people are saying, no, you're insane. You are not this person that, you you know, you speak of. And he was like, oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just completely crazy, you know, thinking I'm the Christ and and all this stuff. And and then eventually recognizing and coming out of that and and being wanting just honesty about what he experiences that, you know, it's not so much up to you it's not so much up to him uh it's you've been designed to believe a certain thing you've been designed to see and experience a certain thing and if you're not sharing it perfectly then you're not you know fulfilling your purpose i mean except that you know if you've been designed to be whatever it is that you've been designed by a you know a supreme source of some sort to be that way so it wouldn't be your responsibility in that sense uh, if if you're good or bad or right or wrong, for it would be more important for you to actually fulfill the purpose that you've been designed to be than to be this good or bad or trying to fit in or whatever you're, most most people are trying to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's hard to break out of that. Like you were talking about Jesus in the desert, you know. The story goes when Lucifer was trying to tempt Jesus, one of the things that he said was, if you're really the son of God, prove it. Yeah. Yeah. And as I'm going through and reading existential philosophy and Nietzsche and stuff like this, and they talk about kind of the obstacles that you have to confront before you can really go that deep, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking there's these self-doubts thing. Like if you're really that connected to God, yeah. prove it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's true, and if, and that's we actually think that. And I con- I've mm-hmm. been confronted with that many times, and I'm like, oh, really? then I could like move this object with my mind, and you know, right. and all this stuff. And it's a it's a load of crap because the def- the definition of the physical world is very specific. You can imagine that object actually moving. And it is, in the same sense, moving. But the filtration of the parameters of the physical universe are made specifically to not show such things happening. So, so it is. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, you almost even in the same sense of in the the experiences of Jesus, nearly all of his miracles had uh, two to three or two to thirteen people that believed in him. And that's kind of showing that in that same sense that it has to be a belief in that fashion to actually experience that miracle, referring to alternate universes being a reality and not knowing and trusting in that being as far as that being Jesus to uh, actually see that it's happening, see that it's occurring. And they're supporting each other. You know, it's like, oh, line one is the longest. Oh, that man is walking on water. Same thing. I've always wondered, 
because it brings up a good point. Like I've wondered what the role of belief is. Does my belief make God real or something, you know? Yeah. Well, it's more of a percentage of what we are as a collective in agreeing with other laws and agreeing with other ideas. So, you know, as soon I'm sure you have lists of tests that go off of these study of belief and sure. that people, you know, in one hand, oh, the doctor says, oh, you're going to be fine, but you have to face this and this. It's like, oh, right. I'm going to be fine. Oh, great. I'm, I'm allow myself to be fine. And it, they usually heal from it. And then just one doctor, you know, saying, oh, man, you got this going on. You're going to die in three days. And, you know, <laughs> of course, they usually do. Uh, but someone yeah. also in that same case hears something as that and wants to go against it. So, you know, no, that's not true. That's absolutely not true. And this is going to happen. And they have these, you know, of course, that same doctor saying, well, it appears that our tests were inconclusive and they were right. wrong and all this stuff. And that, you know, it's we, we like to trust people. And in that sense of agreeing with the universe that they agree with, that they say is true. You know, then, you know, really, society is this big cult kind of idea of believing in the same thing. And that yeah. we've all agreed to, oh, this guy's talking about this. Yeah, that's true, because I trust them. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the same sense of, you know, raising children. We're passing down our reality and our definition of reality and hoping, really, that they will question it. And that's that conscious evolution that each and every one of us kind of picks up where we've been given and see where we go with it well Nietzsche talks a lot about that he says that morality is a group construct mm -hmm. this idea of right and wrong and good and evil Definitely. it's all illusory it's not real yeah. but it's something that we pass down and eventually he says it just holds us all back and you have to transcend personally this idea of the herd morality yeah definitely I would definitely agree with that that <laughs> Uh, in the sense, you know, laws and, and everything. I mean, it makes sense uh, if you want the survival of the body. But in this case, in our reality, as we're attempting to move on, do we yeah. really want to be bodies forever? Do we really want to keep it, you know, even in this idea of the resurrection, why are we so concerned, you know, about the body's survival and and dealing with that, you know, that gets into another question. I've been focusing on these questions all week. So, um, oh yeah, someone asked me, "Do you have morals?" <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that fits in pretty good here. And uh, these are just quick, simple, short responses that uh, I can just give someone my card, and they can go find out these questions. And which anybody else can read at openandclear.com. I'm adding more. I have a few more that I'm adding. Okay, so do you have morals? Because someone asked me if I, you know, believed in Jesus. I have that in there too, and it's, you know, it gets all iffy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> While there are many morals that have been developed out of the fear of death and refraining from it, in this physical experience, I would condone many of them. However, outside of this physical experience... Many of them are meaningless, and by that I mean completely impossible. Take murder for an example. It is impossible, it is only possible to do so by a body to another body. An eternal soul is not concerned with death in any way. 
The point of me stating this is that my daily experience is not entirely physical. Therefore, my morals exceed the parameters of physicality. I think that gets to the point there. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> what well, brings up where morals kind of are based in. Like, yeah. don't steal, because you could deprive somebody of something and then they'll die. Don't kill, because they'll die. Don't, you know, yeah. they're all based on the body. Yeah, have we talked about that? The ten, to, you know, the ten Commandments and stuff. It's like, if you're actually in the spiritual universe, yeah, they're all impossible. <laughs> you know, even this right. soul, you know, don't covet thy neighbor's wife. No, we're connected in this energetic cloud of goodness. Uh, <laughs> you are your a neighbor's wife. So it's like it gets a little, <laughs> a little questionable, a little iffy uh, when you're trying to fit it in there. It's it's not while you believe yourself to be physical. Yeah, uh, folk, these things will help you survive as a society until you recognize that you're not and never were physical. It's funny that Nietzsche talks about something that I always thought was very interesting. He says when you're given, I think it's Nietzsche. Anyway, he talks about when you're given a set of morals, it's a herd morality, and you just do what the herd is doing, and it's taken axiomatically. Like, the moral is the moral because it's right. And you don't ever question why or how or yeah. stuff like that. And I, I think that's funny, because in some cultures, um, like, polygamy is totally accepted. Whereas yeah. in the Protestant American tradition, monogamy is, like, the rule. <laughs> so then you had the Mormon church and when they were doing polygamy people would say that's just wrong yeah. but why yeah. what do you mean just wrong <laughs> yeah it's like they're not you know, we're not, yeah don't even get into questioning it don't even get into actually thinking about it actually right. saying you know is that actually okay too I mean yeah I, I understand that some people take that whole polygamy and get out of hand and go into child stuff and that I wouldn't condone sure. that in the physical world but at the same time you know <laughs> outside of the physical world we don't have age at all and that's mm. kind of what it's mostly happening and what's referring to and that yet with polygamy as well it's more about the combination of spirit and the acceptance of spirit and and that the whole masculine feminine energies and that's only in the spiritual universe. And even in this, you know, be like the physical universe has a measurement to it, and it is palpable. And you know, it is ultimately the energy of the physical world. And uh, but as this intellectual being, there there is this process of what we are and this acceptance. And you can see it that you know people being single and everything that just mentally feel completely out of place. And, it, you know, it's perfectly acceptable. It's fine. No one has to be together. But if we did join together, it's more about community than it is about uh, any, you know, sexual thing. Uh, it's sure. more about passing on and attempting to procreate. And all procreation is this attempt to evolve and see this idea grow into, you know, conquering its own self. Ultimately, that's what will happen, that we will achieve, each and every one of us, uh, eventually will achieve seeing completely out of all this identity and this so-called illusionary world and, or so-called physical world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like that's the zeitgeist. 
the, the spirit of the age that we have right now is that all these you know traditionally held definitions are all changing what is marriage what is gender what is a relationship and it's all seeming to morph and there's you know, oh and i think about you know Sounds as you okay. take there. i lost you for a second you but yeah I, I hear you now go ahead sorry but like as you take away the definitions for like the axiomatic what is right and wrong you know these like murder is wrong or this is wrong and if you just if you start to lift them even if you still play by the rules of society but you personally start to lift away the boundaries it's almost like driving on a road with no lines you know like there's no <laughs> definitions anymore and isn't that scary yeah <laughs> well yeah if you can die yeah <laughs> And in the pain and suffering of the whole thing, when we already have that definition of reality and that is going to happen to us, which is most likely true, if we insist it's going to be happening, it's going to be happening because of who we are. We have the power to do that, to define our reality. And so, you know, it's hard to go against the grain when you've already <laughs> scraped it in there so deep. Uh, and, and so it would be a very bumpy ride to all of a sudden go the other direction you know, you know right. i actually can imagine scraping into the wood and trying to go the other way you're like you know it's not going to be fun until you get into scraping it farther and farther you know you're it, it almost will seem like hell to you because you think you're in the wrong place you think you're doing right. the wrong thing but all of a sudden your world as you were saying earlier will start changing as well and you're starting mm -hmm. saying, no, I want to be in this type of a world, so I'm going to think this way. And then, right. you know, your world, as long as you're sticking to that, others will start joining you. And, you know, even if without communication, more people will start joining you and the universe will start shifting and changing. It happens all the time and, and we don't necessarily recognize it. It just, there's that time delay. And yeah. it takes time for that to happen. Yeah, a, kind of a gestation period. It, that's why A Course in Miracles is a mind training program. And that's referring to all you have to do is train your mind to, say, perceive the spiritual universe. And that's not just, you know, I perceive the spiritual universe. You have to actually think in the fashion of the beliefs in which are reflected into the reality or of a physical or a spiritual universe. We're do because right now we're choosing to believe, as many of us are, of the beliefs and the ways that reflect into a physical universe, and so yeah. we have to literally change our mind about what is real. Wow! And changing the mind. So I look at things like a kid on a bicycle with training wheels, and yeah. at first having that rigid structure is good it kind of trains you and helps you move up the ladder but at some point you want the freedom to take those training wheels off you know yeah to be able to stop seeing yourself in this physical world and to be able to start seeing beyond that but it's kind of scary at first yeah. i could fall down this could happen i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen yeah it's a weird weird feeling of going into a new paradigm every time I mean, even before that when we <laughs> what I have hands I have feet what is this <laughs> you know, 
and and just working with that it's a very awkward thing and and it's so easy to just fall back on what's real you know oh no i don't want to do the bike i fall down i'm not going to do it again but then when you do get into that groove you never learn you never forget how to ride a bike you know you're right. doing it all the time anytime yeah, yeah. but you've got to get over that hump that yeah. fear that initial thing yeah we're talking, how do you do it well i mean i mean like we might need to get more specific than that like what do you mean how do i <laughs> i i went on this I, i've been doing this spiritual path for a, more than half my life now and right. you know even i think of my travels and my five-year journey as somewhat of that going into the desert idea of what jesus did and you know i had to give up everything to not know what i was doing and where i was going i was i put out you know new images of myself throughout the journey you know like uh doing different projects and pretty much almost as if i was a different person every time like trying on these shoes trying on these shoes and you know going down that route and what would happen if that and i was just following that guidance and just a lot you know it's not like it's forever and it yeah. was more just i'm trusting that this is either going to happen or not i'm not concerned about it i'm just willing to take the steps necessary and that's mm -hmm. literally one step at a time and yeah uh, it is really going within and saying you know actual conversation and trying to hear trying to get a feel or hear a response in some way or another that you know what should i do where should i go and then actually stopping <laughs> to listen <laughs> listen for that response and if you don't receive it within the next few minutes if not the next few seconds then you need to you know get your mind off of it allow it to just let go and you feel that motivation if you keep thinking about it every day thinking about oh you know should i do this or should i go that way and you're you start to feel that you're already being guided you just don't necessarily have the ears to hear you're more have the 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 brain to think and so you're using that in that processing fashion uh in a way i like to say if you're in doubt throw it out because it really doesn't consist of doubt when you you're talking to the knowledge of god you know it knows your path it knows the best option it's going to be as firm in your direction as well you know and sometimes many times i was like you know get response where it's like uh, saying you know it doesn't matter if you go left or right Oh, either way. <laughs> like, should I go this way? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's like what? <laughs> no, I want I want a right or a wrong, you know. And right. no, there isn't a right or a wrong. And in a way, when it is helpful, or let's say over ten percent more helpful go, to go that way, then you're more likely to get a response. Yes, go left. That would be best for you, you know. But if it really doesn't. You know, not going to change your the direction of your life. It's not really that important. You're going to get the same lessons out of left as you are going to get out of right. Then it's not so much of a concern because the reality of the lesson is more about going within and having that communion with God than it is about the decision you think you're making. On my other podcast, we talked about choice and some of the psychological factors that go into making a choice. And um, one of the things in the theory of the tyranny of choice 
is when you make a choice, you have to give up the alternatives. If you go right, yeah. you have yeah. to give up left. And we're scared to death. Yeah. Because what we if want I to make was sure wrong? right was right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We want the best outcome, the best choice. <sighs> I feel like you're cheating on me. <laughs> Another podcast? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Business and money. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. It really is. <laughs> when you get beyond the idea of right and wrong and just kind of start to trust spirit, then any path you take, it's, it's ultimately going to lead to where you were designed to go. Yeah. It's funny. I've been watching with my wife uh, Gilmore Girls, watching the old oh, one because yeah. there's a new season coming out or is out, a brand new series apparently. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, they were shopping the two the mother and daughter were shopping and they didn't have any money at the time so they're like going window shopping and they're like oh this sucks I, I don't know he can't get anything and all this and then they pass the grandma the Emily the mom of the mom oh, yeah. and she's filthy wealthy you know and she's like okay come with me and they're like oh no <laughs> she's this really <laughs> pompous lady and and she totally different experience going through the store. She is not concerned about what she, you know, wants or doesn't want. She'll take five of them. Doesn't matter. And <laughs> you know, she goes up to the the counter and she decides that she wants to buy a watch for her daughter. And she just says, "That one, pack it up for me." You know, like she knows she's not concerned if. I'm going to, you know, need to return this later or if it's going to be the right watch or not. It's almost right. as if she's, because of that, you know, she's not concerned about it and now is just d- completely going off this, you know, emotional instinct of just allowing it to happen and, and just being a firm decision maker of it instead of, you know, oh, because of the lack of money, I have to be concerned about doing the right thing and the buying the right one because I don't want to have something I don't want. And, and it, I mean, it makes sense when you are in that idea of, you know, let's say death, that, you know, <laughs> you have to seem to, what's going to help you get eternal life and everything. But right. really, you're more concerned about, you know, the loss of life than you are about eternal life. And so you're not really actually living. You're more just fending off death. And you're not actually getting what you are saying you want. And You have to actually train your mind to think in the parameters of what you actually want. So say even like how she's filthy rich, you know, nobody take this out on me. If you do this, you know, and you screw it up, it's, it's your thing. Okay, I was just saying give myself a disclaimer here <laughs> if, if you start thinking in that fashion that you have all the money in the world and you're not concerned about what you're gonna buy or what you, if it's the right thing to buy or not then you can you're now flexible about what you're being guided to you know now mm. you're flexible about what you're gonna you're gonna buy or you know and then you're gonna see the price tag and you're gonna freak out again because you're, <laughs> you're like, oh, wait no it it you know, larger than my bank account. And, you know, that makes sense. You can't do it. And, and But I'm referring to using that as a metaphor of what is our belief in death and eternal right. life. 
you know, every decision that we make, are you referring to an idea that your life is going to end? Or are you referring to eternal life and what you actually have and the laws and condition of, of God opposed to the laws and conditions of that one that says, you know, yeah, if you're eternal, prove it. Go ahead and hang yourself. <laughs> it's true, though, because if you think with the perspective of a limited body that can die and you think I've only got limited money, and if I spend the money one way, I can't spend it another way. And if I don't have any more money, how am I going to eat? Yeah. So I can only buy something once. And if it's the wrong thing, I'm screwed. So I have to get the right thing. Otherwise, I could die because I won't have food. And where am I going to pay rent and stuff? Yeah. But if you're beyond that body and that scarcity mentality and you think that you can get hurt, then you would be like living in abundance. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah but this sounds like we're getting practical with this idea. We don't want to do that. We want to be all fluffy and right. <laughs> <laughs> I, Can't I, I just be abstract. I can't be practical. <laughs> <laughs> An actual how to. Yeah. In, in the sense that I always get, you know, the idea that when I'm concerned with money and I, it always comes back to, you always have as much as you need. And you know, my, my my mind divide like tries to define that and figure that out. And I'm like, oh well, I need this. You know, do you really need that? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, and so right. it's like, oh, then I need more bills. I gotta make more bills so I have more money. And <laughs> you know, all these yeah. different variations of how to go about that. And and no, it still is the case. I always have what I need, and I'm not. And it helps me. Because I'm not concerned as far as my purpose in life and what I'm to do. I, I'm not in the whole excess amount of, of money or anything. And, and that's okay for me. But some people are, you know, given the hands to work in that fashion and do so, you know, and succeed naturally in, in having excesses of mounts, of mounts, of sure. amounts, whatever. <laughs> well, I know... As I was picking what school to go to and like what profession to go into, one of the things I looked at is how many years I'm going to spend doing this. Yeah. Like, you know, medicine's eight years long and then there's the residency. Or if I want to go into law, that's a three-year school and then I'm going to spend years working my way up through corporate ladder. So if I go into an occupation that I later regret, I mean, that's a lot of years yeah. of a limited lifespan. Yeah. So I freak out. <laughs> But ultimately, it doesn't even matter, because yeah, it's ultimately. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the same lessons out of it, and I'm still gonna have a job and make money and whatever. I'm still gonna retire. It doesn't matter what job it is. Yeah, as long as you know that you know you're being guided and it will all work out, then you don't have to be so much concerned with it. Like it, it might not necessarily even like my massage therapy that I went through. It wasn't necessarily sure. about being a massage therapist even though i enjoy it but it also mm -hmm. took me down the route the route that i'm on and you know it might you know you never know where is it going to take you next what is it about the future that you don't know it's it's all about those steps and just willing to take those steps willing to go the next step you know not really defining oh this step is going to be these 20,000 steps i project into the future <laughs> You know, so I have to make the right ones, and that's only the time 
that there is a right or wrong decision to make is when you have a goal, you have a specific direction to go, a specific achievement. You know, if I want to get to New York, I can't start going west from here, you know. So there's a specific right way of doing it in that same sense. So, so then it's harder to follow guidance of things I don't know what I'm supposed to be receiving when I don't remember what I, where I'm supposed to be going. And if I was open to that and willing to just follow and realizing that the lesson is more about my communion with my spirit and with guidance and with God, then I wouldn't be concerned if I ended up in you know Canada or, or whatever. I, I wouldn't have really an idea that I was in the wrong place because I wouldn't, you know, be in the image of, oh, I'm supposed to be in New York and I'm more accepting. I'm right where I need to be. This is nice. Right. I was in church on Sunday and they brought up a talk that referenced Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. And they Mm. said, there's that point when Alice gets to a fork in the road and she asks the Cheshire cat, which way do I go, right or left? (laughs) And the Cheshire cat says, well, it depends where you want to go. If you don't know where you want to go, then it doesn't really matter what road you take to get there. (laughs) And it kind of implies that you need to know where you're going. But the more I think about it, I'm like, you know, you don't always know where you're going to end up. So it depends on your goal, you know, that's, and let's say, let's go into the eternal perspective of our life. And that's the whole phrase of having a plan and this being God's plan. And that's kind of the idea is that you actually have a purpose to your life. And it's not necessarily what you're achieving in life. It's Mm -hmm. more about, you know, where or how does your thinking change when you do let go of life? And it is that, that training of going into this limited perspective and learning of the world. And then we're all craving and desiring to be this unlimited perspective and coming out of that. And Mm -hmm. and we see that, that it redefines what we are in our reality that now we, we have decided what we want. Like you can't, you can't decide what you want until you see all the options, you know, until Mm you, and yeah, you can go by, what you see on a buffet, you know, you got all this buffet, <laughs> but how do you know what you want until you try them all? You know, you right. gotta try them all and decide, oh yeah, I'll get more of this and I'll get more of that and I'll do this and that. I mean, how, how would you know how to create a universe if you don't know all the vastness and options of universes that are possible? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's in that sense, you know, which is beautiful. So here we are, okay. we're experimenting with sucky life. <laughs> <laughs> separation and pain and suffering and what are we going to do with it that's a good point because it's easy to focus on the suffering and the nature of that is like consuming all of your awareness but if you look past it it's kind of what perspective do you want to come from you know Do you want to be trained as an eternal perspective and having a perspective of eternal life? Or do you want to continue to think that you are a body and that you will die? And then, you know, we think that, you know, we just have to accept what we've been given, right? And that makes sense. But at the same time, you've been given eternal life and you keep thinking that you have inevitable death. 
Like it's just the actual belief, not so much the belief like Devin ha has no choice. Devin is going to die, but who I actually am has a choice and it keeps choosing Devin, you know? Mm. So it's that who I actually am before any idea of Devin or not, or any idea that I'm a body or not, or even an, a separate soul or not. And it, it is that coming from that alternate dimension of realizing and recognizing who's deciding on this reality. Right. Yeah. It's interesting for me, kind of going through this process, taking that step from thinking about it as a philosophical abstract idea, and then like actually starting to believe it, starting mm -hmm. to feel it. Yeah. Because that's, that's when those ideas come up like, you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> like Mark, that's crazy. And to push through that and to be like, yeah, but being so fixated on death and trying to live in a world where I'm just going to die anyway and there's no meaning is just as insane. Yeah, in a way, we can get into that buffet metaphor. And, you know, you can't actually taste everything and decide what you want on your plate if you remember cooking it and tasting it and being it. And, and <laughs> you know, you have to actually take a different perspective of which doesn't know what it likes, doesn't know what it wants, doesn't know anything really. And then right. is attempting to decide what it's gonna choose between, you know, these different dimensions. Like we have this physical parameters of our existence. Many of us know how we would like the world to change already. <clears throat> and, you know, we would like to have, I would like, you know, these superpowers and all this stuff, it'd be <laughs> awesome. And, you know, what, however we want to go about it. And that's because we have tasted something we don't want. And, you know, we want to be able to expand on it. And, you know, let's see what that's like. And, and you know, where are we going to go with that as far as the you know, eternal perspective? And that really is, you know, we have eternity to play with here. We don't have to be concerned with doing it right or wrong so much as many would insist. Uh, but that is only to ensure that you, you know, feel the pressure of making a decision. You only got one time to do this, make a decision. And, and right. we go the opposite direction with that. We're like, oh, I'm not going to make any decisions. I, I only got one time to do this. I don't want to screw it up. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And so we, we misunderstand that, you know, that's not the point. You know, mm -hmm. you're trying to decide what you want for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Which, that's which can change any time. Sorry, I'm talking over you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's something I've gone through, too. To go from this religious perspective of you got to get it right. You have to get it right. You've got to get eternal life. Otherwise, you're damned forever. You've got to do everything you're supposed to do to get it right. And kind of like stepping back from that and not being afraid to get it wrong. Yeah. You know? Now you're actually more likely to get it right. <laughs> right. It's true. Even though it's not about that. That's a scientific principle. Because then you're willing to follow yourself, follow, you know, what you're guided to do instead of, you know, right or wrong and the parameters of, of that straight and narrow. And it's not, mm. some, you know, I, I would say it's more straight, more narrow to be who you've been designed to be and because of the point is not about the decisions. It's about your communication and union with God. 
Like we like to put it in form, but we misunderstand. That's why we want to pray about everything and mm -hmm. ask about everything. Oh, what should I do? It's not about the doing. It's about, do you remember God or not? Mm. That is true. Because on either side, if you do remember God and you form that connection, you're never, you never have to be afraid of failing anyway. Yeah. Even if you only get one try. Yeah. I mean, there's several ways of understanding that, but ultimately, yeah, yes, that's definitely true. And uh, in the way of understanding it in, an, in another idea, uh, that, you know, we think that even God has to go by these commandments or something. We, even God mm. has to be concerned about being right or wrong <laughs> or being the good, right. you know. And, uh, well, in this idea of dimensions, it's an actual idea that God is the only thing that exists at all within this zeroth dimension. And even still in the first dimension, what is the Son of God, it still is the one thing in which is God, and that's all that exists. There is nothing else. There is no rules because there is no you know, world in that understanding. There is no level of, of, of this strange idea of should, is it going to kill me or not, you know? And so that God and that Son of God has have decided throughout these, this journey as we're coming into this fifth dimensional perspective that you know each and every time we're, we're dealing with another decision and is it about me and God or is it about me and, and right and wrong or you know and and we so we're constantly shifting and shaping and forming this idea and seeing where we want to go with it you know what what what's next you know how would God know from outside, up in the clouds, looking down on earth, what's best for the people if he right. wasn't the people himself and knowing it firsthand, you know, oh, this is where the people want to go. This is what the people want to do with life. So, you know, fill in every possible option of that one. And what's the same conclusion that, you know, as the whole percentage of all the people that have ever existed would like to evolve in this fashion then, you know, we see that that's naturally happening. That's going to be going by that decision of, you know, let's create a universe idea. That's interesting because the more that we've talked, uh, you know, through this podcast and the more I think about the stuff that you're saying, God becomes less of an external thing that I pray up through the ceiling to and more of an internal knowing yeah. Like my connection's different. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. And at the same time, if you're going up through the ceiling, you're still in your head anyway. You know, right. You're, you're still in the same place. And you just have a thought that he's up there. And you, you think it, this prayer is going through some wire or something up through the clouds. <laughs> and, you know, reaching some planet, Kolob or something. And there it is, you know. But still... You've never left your bed or something. <laughs> You're still in the same one place you've always been. So are your thoughts. And that kind of connects it all together. Join, <coughs> excuse me, joins it all together that you recognize that you and everything has never actually left the mind in which it is. Like, that's to identify that you quite literally as that essence of consciousness is the kingdom of heaven in which God resides. 
You're the home, the holy home of God and everything wow. else. Yeah. But that gets Which into... is cool too because. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, you're. That makes it so you're not so far removed. Yeah. You know, God's not light years away on Kolob. He's yeah. here with me now. Yeah, exactly. And everyone. And even as I hear you outside, I'm, you're not outside. I hear you in my head. You know, mm-hmm. And that's where it gets into the dimensional perspectives and understanding of it. That the only way to have that realization is to believe and recognize that it's always and remains to be within the same source. You know, yeah. yeah, we have this dimensional perspective of being separate bodies, but we're still in that within that same experience. And that's what Jesus recognized when he realized, oh, I'm one with God. You know, and, and I know you perfectly, even as God knows you perfectly. Yeah, but you can have that. Okay, thanks. Uh. It is a total shifting of a paradigm, though. Yeah. And that's what it means to get out of spirit prison, is to accept Christ for yourself. Like, we think of it as, you know, people have different descriptions of it, saying, well, I need to accept Christ myself. I need to personally Mm -hmm. accept Christ and my personal relationship with Jesus. And, yeah, that makes sense. But ultimately, you realize that, Jesus, or even as I think of Atreyu, that's still in my mind. You know, anybody and everybody is still within this mind, and it comes down into the source that the kingdom of heaven is within, and everyone Mm. in the kingdom of heaven is within. (laughs) Um, And so to change all these things, you have to change it from within. Yeah, it depends on your definition of change. But yes, you have to change your mind about the world instead of trying to change the world. If you actually want peace, you have to change the definition of what you're seeing. Yeah. And naturally, the world will start changing around you, around your perspective. Mm -hmm. Because that's really the conditions of all the universe. I see bodies because I decided to make bodies. I decided to make a world. I decided on pain. I decided on suffering. Right. And I'm and responsible. And as you keep deciding that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Until I'm done deciding, as far as even the totality of all of us, that Christ will be done. And when it's done, it will change. It's it, it's it's so powerful, one thought of being finished, it radiates to the entire universe at the same time because of that all of it is within that same presence of that same source, that same one mind. You know, not to confuse consciousness with your personal identity. That's the fourth right. dimensional perspective of that same one thing where, you know, now that Christ thinks and believes that it is a body, it has conducive memories to pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it is the same thing. Even as Christ has a different function than God, even too does the ego have a different function than Christ, but they're all in the same dimensional perspective of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all in the same likeness, you know. We, God made us in the likeness that we are consciousness. In the mind of God, made the mind, of, mind the big mind of the consciousness of Christ, and in that same idea, through its 
other, you know, the second dimension of spiritual universe and the physical dimension of knowledge, good and evil, also developed in its own likeness this idea that it is separate from everybody, this ego idea, this personality. Mm -hmm. It's still different, you know. It's like even our real thoughts are a little different. Oh, jeez. Well, through that, I just through realized. that ego personality. Yeah, it, yeah, it's always. You to go taste the buffet, you know? Yeah, it's always a little different. Like, we want it a paradoxical idea to the last. We want to experience <laughs> something different. Yeah. I just realized what time it was, and that went it by pretty quick. So, thank you, Mark. Yeah, good luck with the delivery and stuff. Hopefully, it all goes well. Yeah, it's a full moon tonight. The rose moon i think it's called or pink moon first one of oh. spring let's see what happens uh nice. anybody there in the future in the room or anything uh, if you want to contact mark or i uh you can find our contact information at openandclear.com talk to you later mark and all right have a good night talk to you guys later see ya thank you bye 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 now <laughs> okay